Not a single fan of any of those four teams who lives in those cities owns a winter jacket. <laughs> and this is Canada's game. And these are the final four teams playing. Like, You're now listening to the Boys in the Booth podcast with your hosts, Harper Cody, Chad Melbourne, and Casey Abrams. That's a big one. That's a big one. Yeah. Good evening and welcome to episode 171 of the Boys in the Booth podcast. Just Cody and Melbourne, uh, two out of the three for this one. Uh, Abrams is uh, unavailable for this episode, but uh, that's okay. We'll keep things rolling along. Uh, Chad, how we doing, man? Doing well. Uh, no deck cast for Casey today. He's <laughs> building a deck don't know that's all that's all the details we got yep. he's building a deck so we suggested a deck cast and he it was just funny he said obviously not um doing well uh i placed the order today for all of the um boys in the booth ball hockey tournament shirts boys in the booth ball hockey classic shirts i'm trying to get that name right yep. um don't want to get fined here for <laughs> saying the wrong thing on the podcast but place the order today i went to toronto tees got a great deal on the shirts uh i mean relatively speaking and uh, the guy who helped me out christian was super nice and actually really excited to to work on them as well because we have some some great designs this year yeah i'm looking forward to this ball hockey tournament me too, man. like a lot yeah um and, and it's nice that it's happening a bit earlier too uh in june so it's like you know it's gonna be nice to kind of get it out of the way because that's a great time to do it in the summer before it gets like extremely hot and also july is usually the best month of the summer there's a, a million things going on so to fit that into june it's kind of nice we're spreading out some of the best parts of the summer so i'm very excited about that that's what's clearly on my mind right now because uh, i just came from toronto tees but doing well uh, i wish obviously that the leafs were still in the playoffs but you know it is what it is. Um, they likely weren't going to come back from 3-0. I said that last podcast. Um, and then the Devils, too, getting eliminated here in the East. That's not something that we saw coming in five games. Um, so I know we're going to get into yeah. it uh, in this episode, but we went one for four, yep. which is a bit tough in the second round. But like, I don't think many people did well in terms of predicting the second oh, God, round. No. Because like... No. It, it was kind of a wash, it, not going to lie. Like, And especially um, in terms of overall brackets, of course. I think the majority of people who filled them out at NHL.com did very poorly. Yes. Uh, there's one thing that I think all of us have gotten right up into this point, and that's the Dallas Stars yes. making their way to the Eastern Conference Final. If, I, if I'm... Or the Western Conference yep. Final, rather. If I'm remembering correctly... I think we all had Dallas going that far, and I think Casey had them going to the cup final. Did you as well? Or no, you had Edmonton and, and someone else, right? Boston, maybe. Yes, yeah, I had Edmonton and Boston, but uh, I had Dallas in, in the final four, and you're you're correct, we all did, and uh, Casey had Dallas-Boston in the final. So um, anyway, if, if we can get one of us that, that has them in the Stanley <laughs> Cup final and, and that uh, comes to fruition, that would be, that'd be better than nothing. Yeah, that's right. And like there were a few upsets, obviously, like just going back to the first round, Seattle, and then what a fight they gave Dallas in the second round, mm -hmm. like taking them all the way to game seven with having zero superstars on their team, like just incredible. And something you sent me earlier today that I thought we should mention, too, is now there is not a single player in the final four who makes over. 10 million dollars there are three players who make exactly 10 million dollars uh, but not a single guy who makes more than that so the streak continues in that regard a 10 million dollar player i don't think has won the cup ever uh, you could fact check me on that um but every time this gets brought up i have to mention that in terms of percentage of the cap plenty of players who have made an equivalent of 10 million dollars relative to their percentage of the cap whatever the cap was at that time 
plenty of players have won the cup making over $10 million. That's right. And it's actually more than 50% uh, when you just go back like 20 years. So uh, I believe Data Driven Hockey on Instagram had uh, a post about this, and that's where I got the information. And I I trust that account. I trust that guy. So um, I always have to bring that to the conversation when that gets mentioned. Yeah, no, that's an excellent excellent point, excuse me. And looking at the team that we just mentioned there a, a minute ago, the Dallas Stars, um, if if you because when we look at player salaries and stuff, we just look at like the cap hit on cap friendly. So Tyler Sagan, for example, is actually the highest paid player in the NHL this year. When you factor in bonuses and all of that, it's actually around thirteen million dollars that he's making this year. But that AAV that we see, I believe, is nine point eight five or something like that. So. Yeah, and that's just the structure of his specific contract, backloaded for whatever reason. Most guys now, they front load it like crazy, and then then they have access to that money. They can invest it. cheaper as then, you go, and yeah. Exactly. Right. That's It's seemingly like that is the, the more prudent financial decision, especially once it's that much money and someone else is handling your money for you. That's what people suggest. Yeah. But uh, regardless, like this is all to say, that $10 million stat, now there's not a single player who makes over $10 bucks in the playoffs uh, in, in the Final Four. I just have to give a bit of nuance to that because uh, I don't think it's quite fair to say that despite the fact that it is technically true. Yes, that's right. And, uh, you know, as the cap continues to go up, I mean, it's not going to go up by much this coming summer, but the the following summer... Um, we're, we're so summer of 2025, I guess it, it's going to go up even more and continue to go up and up from there. And I mean, we are going to see players on teams winning Stanley cups with over $10 million as an AAV. I mean, that's just, that's just the way it's going for sure. And another interesting note, three of the final four teams, uh, are in no tax states in the u.s which is really interesting uh you know because obviously the the narrative out there being that you know um canadian teams have to play have to pay their players more to stick around with the tax brackets and you know just the the pressure and and all of that whereas well and also teams in new york and uh la yes or california as a whole those three teams out there like the the narrative is there and this was okay like not that we're going to get into this whole capology stuff but um i remember back when the leafs guys signed their deals marner in particular when he signed for 10 point what eight nine three or or whatever it is um i believe that's the number and people were saying and people still say that that was an overpay but when you look uh, i mean especially compared to a guy like Braden point who signed prior to him who makes i think like nine five or something yeah. Yeah. uh but but the the point was when marner signed you have to factor in the types of taxes that he's going to have to pay. So nine and a half in Florida, where there's no state tax, uh, a player who makes that as opposed to 11 in Ontario, where you're getting taxed out the wazoo, you're actually bringing home more money living in Florida, although you make a couple million bucks less. So that's that's something to consider. And that's, you know, I didn't even realize that, but you're right. The only thing I thought of when looking at these uh, final four teams, so we've got We've got Dallas, Vegas, Carolina, who, who, and Florida. Who, who's, and Florida, of course. So they beat <laughs> Toronto. Yeah. Um, someone said, I think it was Justin Bourne on the, the Real Kipper and Bourne show, that not a single fan of any of those four teams who lives in those cities owns a winter jacket and this is Canada's game and these are the final four teams playing like I would imagine that that ratings for this final four just plummet or will just plummet after you know Edmonton and Toronto, the two remaining Canadian yeah. teams, were, were knocked off. Well, and, and that's the thing. And I mean, we're we're getting a little off track here, but yeah, um, 
I, I know personally, I'm probably going to be watching less of the playoffs from here on out because of the teams that are left. And so, yeah, but that that's a great comment. Yeah, not a single one of these fans owns a, a winter jacket. And I mean, by the way, what a missed opportunity for the NHL on Sunday night. Connor McDavid, best player on the planet in an elimination game in Edmonton against Vegas and... 10 o'clock start time on a Sunday night. The only game on the schedule, too. Absolutely brutal. Anyway, that is a topic for another day. Um, Yeah, we could have a whole conversation on stuff like that. And by the way, there were three goals in the first like five minutes of that game. Yeah. And ESPN was playing a 9-1 baseball game that led in that spilled into that nhl time slot so fans wanting to watch the game on espn missed those first three goals in an elimination game with the best player to ever play hockey on the ice like just makes absolutely no sense Again, we, we got to do a, a, a whole episode on, on all of this. We'll bring in a business expert and we'll have a conversation yeah. about how the NHL can better market the game and, and all of that. So Great idea. Yeah, so there we go. All right, so let's quickly uh, recap those second-round playoff series. And uh, we'll start with your Toronto Maple Leafs, who really dug themselves a, a hole going down 3 nothing against the Florida Panthers. They, uh, you know, they, they get a win to get back in it in Florida, and then uh, they lose in overtime, which was just a heartbreaker to watch on, on Friday night um, on home ice. And uh, they lose the series in five games. Florida moves on again. They continue this incredible run that they're on. Uh, I know that all three of us, we pick the Leafs, obviously, in this series. But uh, Florida, Florida continues on, and it's another uh, early offseason for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And now, a word from our sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Liquid IV. Whether you're staying active or nursing a hangover, Liquid IV has you covered. Just one stick of Liquid IV in 16 ounces of water hydrates faster and more efficiently than water alone. It contains five essential vitamins, B3, B5, B6, B12, and vitamin C with three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks. It's made with premium ingredients, it's non-GMO, and it's free from gluten, dairy, and soy. There are plenty of awesome flavors, but my personal favorite right now is lemon lime. So get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use the code boys underscore in underscore the underscore booth at checkout. That's 20% off anything in the store when you order using the promo code boys underscore in underscore the underscore booth at liquidiv.com. Experience better hydration today with Liquid IV. This podcast is also sponsored by the best ticket app out there, SeatGeek. SeatGeek takes the confusion out of buying tickets, making it quick and easy to get the best deals on tickets to your favorite sporting events. Plus, Boys in the Booth listeners get $20 off their first ticket purchase on SeatGeek with the promo code BOYSINTHEBOOTH in all caps. So click the link in the description down below to download the app and remember to get your discounted tickets using the code BOYSINTHEBOOTH in all caps. Get great seats for a fraction of the cost with SeatGeek. Yeah, so I, I just want to start by saying that, like, I don't think we should spend too much time recapping uh, these previous series, nope. especially this one, because uh, I plan to do an episode in the future, maybe similar to last year um, with, when I did it with John Kiriakou, uh, our buddy, and we just talked about the ideal offseason for the Maple Leafs. So I'm hoping to do that uh, maybe later on in the summer once we get some clarity on what's happening with the management situation in Toronto. Yeah, because, of course. Yeah, because we would prefer to talk about the player situation, the, the yeah. situation on the ice as opposed to off the ice. Um, and I think that would be a good episode to do. And then we could break down, you know, where it all went wrong for the Leafs in this series. But you know, just briefly, I'll reiterate what Sheldon Keefe said in his uh, end of year presser that, you know, this series was lost in the first three games, really. Like, you can't go down 3 0, no matter who you're playing, whether it's an eight seed or a number one seed, you can't go down 3 0 to a team in the NHL and expect to win because it's only been done four times in the past. Um, and it's extremely hard to do. So, even when the Leafs won game four, 
you know, like, sure, it was a, a tightly played game and, and, you know, the series is completely different if they win that game four, if it's already, you know, if it's 2-1 instead of 3-0, if they got one of those first two games uh, in the win column where, you know, they, they frankly dominated the expected goals. Anyways, I believe after two games, the expected goals was something like 10-5 for the Maple Leafs. So if they got one of those first two games and then they win game four, you know, this series is completely different and it's likely going the distance. But it was just too much of a mountain to climb for the Maple Leafs going down 3-0. So Sheldon Keefe was entirely correct when he said uh, that the series was lost in the first three games. So again, don't have a ton to say about it. Like, I'm sure I'll break it down in the summer, but that's what I've got right now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and looking forward to uh, to that when you and, and John kind of dissect the, the Maple Leafs and uh, do that episode in the summertime for sure. So Florida moves on and the Carolina Hurricanes move on as well. So those two teams will play each other in the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, Carolina takes out the New Jersey Devils in five games. And, uh, you know, I, I know all three of us went with the Devils. That's Casey's team. Obviously, he's he's not here for, for this, but... Um, uh, what a season for the Devils. I mean, you got to be walking away from this being like, you know, what an awesome year. We were better than expected, took a real step forward, but we just lost to a team with so much depth. They're so well coached. And um, yeah, it, it just, Carolina was was definitely the better team in this series, I think. Yeah, definitely. And I don't think it came down to any one thing for the Devils. Maybe Casey could, uh, you know, maybe he would say otherwise. But it's just a team that was, you know, that's been there, done that, way more experienced, uh, going against a team who, you know, was their first time there. They don't have a ton of experience outside of a couple guys like Andre Palat is one of them. But, you know, even, you know, despite the fact that these teams were relatively closely matched all season long in terms of points anyways. Um, Maybe we should have seen this coming a little bit more when we were making our predictions because Florida has just, they have that next man up mentality. And that was one of the points that I made when we were talking about that series. You know, the fact that they were missing some key guys uh, to injury, but it really didn't matter at the end of the day. And, uh, Maybe we should have seen that coming because they're so, you know, well coached by Rod Brendamore. So Carolina is a team like I, I kind of like how they play it. You know, they, they're able to score a bunch on you uh, because they have the great depth throughout their lineup. But if they want to, and this is how they like to play, um, and I think they're most successful doing it this way, is just kind of shutting it down, like just kind of turtling and and really stymieing the, the opposition defensively and then relying on some pretty good goaltending with, you know, whoever's in the net, whether it be Freddie Anderson, Antti Ranta, or uh, Pyotr Kachekov. So um, I like that team, and I like their odds in uh, the conference finals, to be honest. And, uh, you know, this is kind of the first time that uh, former Maple Leaf Freddie Anderson is is uh, in the midst of a long playoff run. And for Carolina, I think that, you know, they they have their guy in net. Finally, Anderson has broken through, and, and that's great. But to, to me, it's, it's the blue line as well. I think they have an elite blue line, and uh, I think the X factor for them and the real difference maker th- this time around has been Brent Burns, in my opinion. He had an incredible regular season, and that's carried over into the playoffs. And I think that that blue line was just too much for the Devils to handle in the end. But what an exciting year for a young hockey team. And uh, I think they're going to be in the playoffs uh, year after year moving forward with that group that they have. Um so, yeah, Definitely. like I said, Florida, Carolina in the Eastern Conference Finals. We'll, uh, we'll get to our uh, predictions for that in a moment. But uh, let's go to the West now, the two series there. So Vegas and the Edmonton Oilers. And, uh, again, you know, we went one for four in round two. We all had Edmonton in this series. They lose in six games to the Vegas Golden Knights. Aiden Hill with just an outstanding performance on Sunday night. Um, just absolutely peppered and overwhelmed by the Edmonton Oilers, but uh, he stood tall, um, you know, great, 
great series for a guy like Jack Eichel, Jonathan Marcheseau, the list goes on. And uh, Vegas is back in the Final Four uh, for the second time in the history of that franchise. So a thought on this series. Yeah, well, so do you want to... um yeah, never mind. It makes sense to yeah to go through it this way. My brain's a bit scrambly right now. But um, okay, so this this Vegas Edmonton series, we all said that Edmonton's offense would carry them through. Um, you know, we I think we could all agree that the defense in in Vegas was objectively better, and then the goaltending was a bit of a wash because. Yeah both guys on either side are kind of unproven so i mean it didn't really come down to goaltending in my opinion you know aiden hill was good but you know did like did he steal the series no no i think it came down to the oilers not being able to produce at five on five which is something that has hurt them you know since they've had mcdavid and Drysaddle. Yeah. really like they're a team that really benefits on the power play obviously they have one of the best power plays in history maybe the best power play we've ever seen in the nhl Mm -hmm. period um but in the playoffs as we know after the first couple games and we've seen the data to back this up power plays go way down we know that happens and so maybe it's just you know Maybe they need to add five on five scoring. We thought they got that in in Evander Kane and and some other guys down the lineup, but I don't know. It's one of those things like you can only rely on your top two guys so much, and you only get so much power play time. So five on five scoring, I think, really killed them. And then of course, uh, Stuart Skinner being pulled multiple times and not playing as well as he has all season i don't know if the moment got to him or fatigue because we have to remember he wasn't the starting goalie all year long he did split a lot of games with jack campbell um and he wasn't supposed to be the starting goalie that's for sure so maybe fatigue got to him i don't really know exactly what happened there i think he's a really good goalie and going forward i don't even mind a tandem of campbell and skinner because i think they're both capable um of being good but they're also clearly both capable of not being good um but i guess that's just goaltending in general so uh that was another thing for for the oilers the goaltending like it wasn't it wasn't fantastic and that hurts when you're not able to score at five on five so um the final thing i'll say about the series is that the refs, man, and the Department of Player Safety, I think, oh. both failed the Oilers here. Because Absolutely. That Petrangelo slash, two-handed, wood-chopping slash on Leon Dreisaitl, arguably the second-best player on the planet, that being just one game is ridiculous. Oh. Like, that should have been at least two, at least two, but if that's in the regular season, that might be 10. <laughs> that might be like, you know, like that. Yeah. If we're talking slashes, that might be the like that might be it. Like that might be the worst slash you can do. <laughs> like aside from hitting a guy like in the head or in the face or something. But if we're talking like slashes to the body, getting a two hand over the shoulder hack to your wrist is insane. Like I could not believe he only got a game for that. and. You know, Petrangelo is their best defenseman. And I know Nurse also got a game for instigating, for starting that fight at the end of the game. But, and I think that was taken into account, by the way, by player safety, which again is ludicrous. Like that should not matter. Yeah. Um, That's my opinion anyway. It should be the play on the ice that happened compared to similar plays in the past as a precedent and then go from there. But we know that the Department of Player Safety just makes it up. And, you know, I don't think it's good enough, but that's the way it is. And I'm not saying that that specific play alone lost them the series. But, I mean, if Petro's gone for the series, I would like to think that the Oilers can be, would have been at least more productive at 5-on-5 than they were. Because that's the reason they lost the series. And I'm sure they would have loved to get that extra edge of not having the best defenseman on Vegas in the lineup. So, 
those are my thoughts on the series. You, you have anything to add? Yeah, definitely. And um, yeah, just, just quickly, I, I agree with you. I think you know the the lack of five on five scoring really hurt this team because when when you look at that forward group, it's McDavid and Dreisaitl, and it's everybody else that is there for depth. I think Evander Kane was playing injured. Um, he he really did not have an impact in this series at all. Ryan Nugent Hopkins really struggled as well after a uh, a 100 point season. Zach Hyman was playing hurt as well, and then other guys, Kaylor Yamamoto. I think you got to think that there's a real possibility that he gets moved in the off season with uh, with with how poorly he played, and um, you know the other guys down the lineup. Derek Ryan, Bugstad, you know, not putting it on guys like McLeod and Costin because I, I think that they were good, especially Clem Costin. But yeah, just not mm-hmm. enough, uh, not enough depth there, five on five. And, um, you know, going into the offseason, Edmonton doesn't need to do a lot, I, I don't think. I think they're close to, to being a cup winner. I think that this was definitely a lot to put on Stuart Skinner in his rookie season. And if if I'm Jay Woodcroft, I would have given Jack Campbell uh, the Game 6 start or, uh, or so um, because uh, in his career he's got a good record against Vegas. And, and I think in the times that he came in in relief uh, for Skinner, he played well. Plus, you're paying the guy $5 million on a long-term deal. But I'm with you. I don't mind that tandem moving forward. I think that Skinner is for real, and he's only going to get better. And this was a great learning experience for him. And then again, we saw Evan Bouchard really pop for this team, especially on that power play. Tyson Berry being moved out really freed him up. And so what does that next contract look like? But really not a lot of questions with this team. You run it back next year uh, because you've got two more years of Leon Dreisaitl and three more of McDavid. So time is of the essence for this team, but I think they're close. It's just disappointing that, uh, that they couldn't win this series, but Got to hand it to Vegas, man. They're a deep team from top to bottom, and I'm with you. The Department of Player Safety, the punishments that were handed out to Petrangelo and Kane and some of the missed calls and everything, absolutely ridiculous. But anyway, nothing we can do. Yeah, not much you can do, so there's, you know, why waste our breath talking about it? Yeah. Um, But just to kind of conclude on the Oilers, like, I'm with you. I think they should run it back and and just go for it again. But it is just a bit disappointing given the fact that they were in the final four last year and they had a a good chance to do it again this year against a a Vegas team that, you know, like I I think they only finished within a few points of each other in the standings, but that's a team who missed the playoffs last year. I know that they've had uh, injuries in the past and maybe that was a a big reason why they missed the playoffs last year but you know it was a team who um you know we thought frankly edmonton was better than and they just weren't in this series unfortunately and also too, your point about starting uh jack campbell in game six i hear you it's a tough call though it's a really tough call and i don't blame jay woodcroft for going with Stuart skinner in an elimination game um when he's been your guy all year yeah, long he, really he got you there and i i get what you're saying absolutely yeah um, well i mean it's kind of similar like not exactly but it is kind of similar to you know the leaf starting joe wool over matt murray because yeah. joe wool was a guy who was there he had played in those playoffs and you know he looked pretty good when he did so mm-hmm. as opposed to playing your uh you know five million dollar man in Matt Murray and you know it's a similar situation to Campbell where just because you pay the guy doesn't mean he necessarily deserves a start just given the the season that they've both had that's so, right and I don't I didn't blame Jay Woodcroft for making that move no no and and I I didn't blame him at all I was just saying you know I would I would look at maybe starting Campbell in game six, but I get it. You go with Skinner. He's been your guy, uh, and he was the guy that got you there as the as the number one. So I, I totally get that as well. Um, all right, and uh, the final second-round series that, uh, that just wrapped up, 
last night, and uh, that was the uh, the Dallas Stars and the Seattle Kraken. So the Stars get this done in seven games. Uh, just what a run by the Kraken! Two seven game series in uh, in rounds one and two against two very good teams, and. Uh, we got one. We got one right out out of the four. So the Dallas Stars yeah, are moving barely. on, and we all had Dallas. Uh, so uh, the Stars now look to Vegas in uh, the Western Conference Finals. So just a quick thought on this one. Yeah, I mean, we all picked Dallas because we thought they were the better team. And, you know, after that series, it turns out they are. I think Seattle, you know, kind of exposed not the the lack of foot speed, but kind of used their great speed to their advantage, um, and and they kind of just controlled games like that, just like they did in the in the first round against Colorado. So, um, you know, it just goes to show that there are a lot of good players in the NHL, and even though Seattle doesn't have, you know, a quote unquote superstar, they have a lot of guys who can play with pace. They do, and and do damage so you know i i heard uh elliot friedman say that the success of teams like vegas and seattle is really appealing to new franchises who might want to or who the nhl might want to expand to right like because you can come in to the league and in your first year or second year in in seattle's case like compete and they were good like they they were they were better than everybody thought they were going to be in credit to them because oh. they're only getting better in the future with with their deep uh prospect pool and it's only going to get deeper this year so absolutely you know credit to them at the same time though the dallas stars were not surprised that they're they're in the final four they're a deep team um they have superstars at each position and you know Maybe that was the difference in in this series. They, you know, and, and I'm glad that we went that we got this one right because this one just made a lot of sense. It and did. as much as I wanted to yeah. to bet on Seattle, uh, I couldn't go against Dallas here. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm glad we got one right, and uh, and yeah, I mean we we all like the Dallas Stars. Uh, we all are in agreement that. They have a long window. They're built to win now and for the future. Like Jim Nell has done an incredible job. And going back to that point that we made earlier, Chad, about um, there not being a, a single player making over 10 million bucks in the final four now. Well, looking at the stars, you've got your three cornerstone players in, uh, or sorry, your four cornerstone players. Rupe Hintz, leading scorer in, in the postseason. Absolutely incredible. Uh, Miro Haskinen, Jake Ottinger, and Jason Robertson, all under $9 million in, in salary. Um, I mean, Ottinger, that, that's especially a, a bargain with the deal that he's on. Just absolutely amazing. And then, you know, you just you look at the depth and the way they've passed those guys. Like Wyatt Johnston, a rookie, is is the one that gets the the series clinching goal the youngest player to to uh to score a series clinching goal in the last 31 years and by the way you brought in a new head coach who has a great record in in game sevens peter DeBoer is now eight and oh in his career in game seven so Man, you got to hand it to Jim Nill. I, I think the Stars are just getting started with this long window, and uh, they certainly deserve to be back in, in the Final Four. But, man, a huge credit to Dave Haxtall, Ron Francis, and the Seattle Kraken. A hell of a season, and uh, they're going to have some pretty high expectations going into next year, I think, with that group that they have. For sure. like I mean, like we've said a million times, that 2017 draft was the turning point oh. for this franchise to get your three cornerstone players in one draft is insane um and i was just laughing earlier because i'm dealing with the stupid yeah the autofocus did you notice that yeah, I did. I did. <laughs> I'm trying to trying to get my camera back in focus but <laughs> no I, I i'm glad uh that that the stars made it through because frankly they're the better team and like you said they're just getting started so absolutely all right quickly we'll we'll give our predictions uh for the uh for the final four now starting with the eastern conference finals so florida and the carolina hurricanes let's hear it <laughs> 
Okay, well, do you have Casey's predictions first? Do you want to? Yeah. Because he's not here, he mailed them in. Sure. Um, sure. So do you want to do that first? Yeah, do you we have can do that. You? And uh, so Casey is going with the Florida Panthers in six games in this series. So, um, I, you know, I... And an and interesting uh, an interesting pick for sure. I think that this series could could go either way. And uh, man, I mean, why not go with with the team that just continues to roll right now on this incredible run that no one expected? So I, I totally get that as well. If they can keep up uh, this play, but you know, to me, I look at the back end, the the difference of of the back ends on, on these two teams. So um, I'm actually going to go with the Carolina Hurricanes in seven games. Okay, so Casey's picking Florida in six. You're going Carolina in seven. Um, I, I wanted. I haven't talked to Case since, but uh, since the Devils have been eliminated about this, but I wanted to ask him. You know, because people have been asking me. Would you rather see the team that beat you, that beat your team, go all the way or lose in the next round? Like, that's that the age-old debate, right? So I wonder if that's how Casey's feeling. He just wants to see Carolina get pumped because, you know, screw them, they beat us. I, like, I think we know him well enough that that's exactly what he's thinking. <laughs> yeah, and so that was in the back of my mind when I read his uh, his prediction there. But I'm going to go with Carolina in seven um, for some of the reasons I mentioned earlier. So I'm going to go with you uh, on Carolina in seven here just because, you know, they're well coached. They have that next man up mentality. Yeah. And, you know, I questioned last series if if the injuries and and the fact that they're missing some key players was going to be a problem for them. And it wasn't at all. They play such a well-structured team game that I don't think it matters if they don't have a guy, um, you know, who scores 40 or 50 goals a year. Like, it just doesn't matter the way they play. I have a few numbers I'll read for for both series here, just a a bit of a preview. Head-to-head this season, Carolina uh, took two games to one, so two 1-0 for Carolina head-to-head. Um, in terms of points percentage, Carolina finished second in the NHL and Florida finished 18th and made the playoffs, um, which, by the way, that's now two teams who have finished in 18th in the NHL who have beat the Leafs in the playoffs. Can you guess the other one? Here's a little trivia. The Montreal Canadiens. Obviously, yeah. right? I, I think I said that a million times when that happened. Oh, they shouldn't have yes. even been in the playoffs, but... <laughs> I digress. Uh, In terms of goals for per game, Florida's offense was a a tank all year long, so they took it. They were sixth in the NHL. Carolina was 15th. Goals against per game, though, uh, and this is all regular season, by the way. I think that was pretty clear, but I wanted to clarify. Uh, Goals against per game, uh, Carolina was second in the NHL, and uh, Florida was 21st. So Florida is very much a high-event team. A lot happens uh, good and bad when they play. And that was evident in uh, the series against the Maple Leafs. Like, chances were just insane. And actually, not to make this about the Leafs, but Sheldon Keefe said in his press conference that the guys were kind of, like, his players were kind of surprised at how open the series began through the first two games. They were shocked to be getting the types of chances they did against Florida because they didn't get any of those against Tampa. That, that's a good point, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the problem was they just couldn't bury. No. Um, no. Power play this year, Florida was 10th in the NHL and Carolina was 20th, um, I guess because they don't have those those stars, that firepower, that kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. But penalty killing, which really comes down to coaching and systems, uh, which Carolina is really good at, they they were second in the NHL and Florida's PK was 23rd. So there's some numbers. Okay. Um, you know, I think the favorite in this series is Carolina, and that's again yeah. who I'm picking in seven. I think for Carolina to win this series, you have to do what you did against the Devils in a couple of the games where you're okay with winning three two games or two one games. You just you get a couple goals and you lock it down 
defensively yeah. and and you know the way that this team is coached and how they play their systems like that's why i'm going with carolina and seven i think they're the better team i i don't think florida has been the best team in either of their series but they have found ways to win and i think because of that they're kind of riding this emotional high mm-hmm. so i'm not counting them out by any means but if i'm just looking at the numbers and uh putting the you know intangible aspects aside i think carolina is is the better team and they should win this series so seven games i i agree and uh you know i i'm kicking myself i gotta tell you man because when i was thinking of stanley cup favorites at the beginning of the season i the first team that popped into my head was the carolina hurricanes but Things happen, right, and and that you can't predict. You know, Pacioretty and Svechnikov and Taravainen all go down before the postseason. So I said, well, come on. Like, they're not going to yeah. be able to make up for the losses of, of those players. But here they are. I mean, it's two resilient groups going at it. Uh, one really cool storyline to follow in this one is uh, the, the two head coaches because Rod Brindamore had Paul Maurice as his head coach in Carolina. Carolina in 2002 and then of course Rod won the Stanley Cup with the Carolina Hurricanes in in 06 the last time that that they were there so there we go and Eric Stahl was on that team yeah who is now playing for the Panthers and we're, we're gonna see three of the four Stahl brothers in this series as well so a lot of great storylines for sure uh but yeah I've got Carolina in seven I think they have the better blue line out of the two teams um and I think they're just a the better team and and it looks like Tara Vinen is close to coming back as well so at least you're getting one of those three but man the depth that they've had like guys like George Jordan Martinuk have been fantastic in in this postseason, and other guys too that kind of fly under the radar. Just re- really good depth players like the Stefan Nasons and the um, you know uh, McEachrins and Kotkaniemi um, has even had flashes in in the playoffs. So it's uh, it's very next man up uh, for for this Carolina team as well. I think both teams play so hard; they win puck battles along the walls. It's uh, it's going to be a, a tight series, but I'm giving the edge to Carolina. I'm with you. Yeah, and seven games because we're not counting out the Cats. No. We just think <laughs> in a seven-game series, the better team will prevail. Um, if Casey was on the pod, like I'm interested to hear why he has Florida in six. I think there's an element of, you know, like we talked about, well, these jerks beat my devils, so screw them. But I think, you know, if I'm thinking about what Casey would say, he he might also say that they're beat up after a couple tough series, having to skate a ton, uh, especially against the Devils, both really great skating teams. But um, and, and then playing the Islanders in the first round, like you know, getting beat up physically through that. So uh, I think maybe that's where Casey's coming from. This team is beat up, so uh, I, I figured I would mention that too. But maybe next episode uh, he, he'll chime in and and give his thoughts on why he has Florida in six. But yeah, we're both going Carolina in seven. I guess we'll see. Yeah, there we go. Okay. And uh, over to the Western Conference final, the Vegas Golden Knights and the Dallas Stars. I'm going to stick with the Stars, man. I've got them winning this in seven games over Vegas, even though I I think that this is going to be a tight series as well. But I just, I look at the pieces on both teams and the goaltending, I think, is such a huge factor in this one. Dallas has their guy in Jake Ottinger. With Vegas, it's kind of been all over the place, as we talked about. Is it Brossois? Is it Hill? Who is it? Um, so Jonathan I, I, Quick. Yeah, Quick. Like, exactly. No Logan Thompson. You know, who is it? So I got to give the edge they, to, to Dallas. We haven't mentioned that. They have four NHL goalies. Like, I know I know Thompson isn't there right now, yeah. but, like, I don't know what Quick's doing. Robin Leonard Listen. may never play again. There's a fifth one in there. Like, it's crazy, man. Interesting. It's what a, a team, man. <laughs> what a team. No other team would do that. No. <laughs> but but Vegas. It's, it's Vegas. Yeah, exactly. But no, I, I, I'm going to take Dallas in seven games. And so this is what I'm hoping. And this is, uh, and, and I don't know what you have, but this is another big prediction. And I think it would be wild to see. 
potentially we could see the first three rounds of the playoffs all finish with game sevens. How about that? That would be really great because we know game sevens draw eyes and the NHL needs to draw eyes if they want this whole financial situation straightened out. That's right. And if they want the cap to jump. Um, so selfishly, yes, I hope we have a game seven because that would be fantastic. Um, I'm also going Dallas in seven games. I think Vegas is a good team. Don't get me wrong. And especially with, you know, a healthy Mark Stone and an Alex Petrangelo who is playing really good hockey despite the fact that he shouldn't have been because he should have been suspended. Um, and then kind of just, you know, in net, whoever's there, they've all been fine. Like yeah. no one's been stealing games, but, you know, you mentioned uh, Brassois and then he goes down and then Aiden Hill made that big save on McDavid with on the blocker side, like in, in game six. So, you know, he's been good too, but I just think Dallas is the better team. Um, Oh, and just sorry, going back a bit, I wanted to mention that Jack Eichel is having an incredible playoff. Yes, so far, yes, he is. Yeah, roll your eyes for everybody who's only listening and not watching. Harper had the most dramatic eye roll <laughs> in the history of eye rolls because Jack Eichel is no longer his favorite player. Um, but you have to give the guy credit, man. He has been dynamite he, in the playoffs. He has, and uh, you know, just. Focusing on him for a second, I, I will say he has uh, he has taken over games at, and moments in in at times in the playoffs and particularly in that Edmonton series. And there were a couple times where he made really strong plays with his stick to strip McDavid of the puck. And uh, and again, just um, he he he's been dynamite. So. Yes, I had a little eye roll there. I know there's there's some saltiness there, but yes, Jack Eichel is is having uh, a, a really strong playoffs, and um, and hey, this this is an opportunity of a lifetime for him for the first time in his career. Uh, but uh, I got to go with Dallas. Yeah, and, and you know, no no offense to a guy like Jack Eichel, but when I think of him or hear his name, I don't exactly envision a player who would be better in the playoffs because you know the playoffs in the regular season are different leagues they're different animals it's almost not the same game or the same sport like that's how different the two seasons are yes. playoffs versus regular season and you know sometimes skilled guys like Jack Eichel they get closed out they can't get to the net to score and you know they're less effective and of course everybody listening to me is just falling over laughing and pointing at the Maple Leaf stars because that's a big criticism of them but he has really elevated his game and you know kudos to him because I didn't know if he had it in him but he clearly does all of this being said, I'm still going with Dallas because I think the way that they're built, they're better offensively. They have they have guys like Rupe Hints, who we haven't even mentioned, uh, and Joe Pavelski, who have both had incredible playoffs so oh. far. Not to mention their best offensive player in Jason Robertson, who you know has still been a little quiet compared to his standards, so I would look for him to I, explode. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned Robertson. He has definitely been the one star who has uh, kind of struggled, and so I think that I'm looking to him to be the X factor in this series. Uh, obviously, yeah. it's the guy in net, and Ottinger, he shut the door on, on uh, Seattle in that Game 7, so yes, him, but I'm looking at Robertson to be the X factor. If he can get scoring in this series on top of the offense from Hintz, Pavelski, go down the list. Uh, I, I think that, you know, this is going to go really well for Dallas. And we're only halfway through the playoffs right now. So I remember when we were doing our bracket episode, I mentioned that Jason Robertson was plus 4,000 for the Conn Smythe. Um, I don't know what his odds are right now, but they're probably even better than that because both Pavelski and Hintz have been more important players thus far in the playoffs so if you're looking for value and if you're betting on a guy um you know who has done nothing but score at an elite clip since coming into the nhl 
maybe put some money down on Jason Robertson to to be the playoff MVP if you think Dallas is good enough to get to the finals, which we both do. Um, but but before we finish off here, I want to read some stats just like I did uh, for for the last series here. So head to head between Dallas and Vegas, uh, Dallas was three and zero this year, and Vegas was zero one and two. So two overtime games. That's that's interesting. Yes, Dallas got both of them though. Uh, points percentage: Vegas finished fourth in the NHL, and Dallas finished eighth. Goals for per game, goals against per game, power play, and penalty kill are all favoring Dallas uh, in the regular season. So the only thing that Vegas did better than Dallas in the regular season of the stats that uh, I'm talking about here and that I mentioned for last series as well as points percentage. And they finished four spots higher in the league. Um, that doesn't matter now. Nope. I think Dallas is a better team. The numbers indicate that they are, and I think they'll get it done in seven games. I'm, I'm thinking it's going to go the distance because both of these teams are very capable, and it could just come down to... You know, Jason Robertson maybe being an X factor, like you mentioned, could come down to, uh, you know, Vegas's goaltending not holding up compared to what it is at the other end and Jake Ottinger, who, by the way, last series wasn't unbeatable. You know, he wasn't that great, no. but they still got it done um, because he had that dog in him in game seven. So, you know, I think it'll be another close series. I think both of these series will be close. And I know I we ripped on it at the start of the show that. You know, these four teams are non-traditional hockey markets and maybe we'll check out a little bit. But I, I mean, in terms of the product on the ice, it's still pretty damn good. Oh, absolutely. Um, so so yeah. I'll, I'll definitely be watching. And those are my picks. Yep. Perfect. And uh, I know that uh, Case, obviously, he's sticking with Dallas, too, and, and he's picking them in seven. So we might as well stick with the team that uh, that got us here and uh, and that was our only correct pick in the second round. So we're sticking with the Dallas Stars. All right, there you go. Yeah. Uh, the Eastern Conference Finals and uh, the Western Conference Finals, the Final Four, in the Stanley Cup playoffs gets going on Thursday night. So looking forward to that. And uh, thanks for listening to episode 171 with uh, Chad and myself. We will chat with you again next week. This has been another episode of Boys in the Booth with Harper Cody, Chad Melbourne, and Casey Abrams. Connect with the Boys in the Booth on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Boys in the Booth. Visit boysinthebooth.com for show details. And don't forget, you can become a patron of the podcast for just $1 a month at patreon.com slash boysinthebooth.